In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the rectors here at the table. Today, friends, our text from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? In y'all, actually. Don't you know, don't y'all know that y'all have the Holy Spirit from God and y'all don't belong to yourselves? Y'all been bought and paid for. So honor God with all y'all's body. <laughs> Today, we're in Epiphany, the second week, and we're, our theme is beholding and becoming the light of Christ. Today, we behold Christ in our midst, Christ dwelling in us and among us, he has freed us to love each other and become his body. Church, we are his temple under the reign of his love. And Paul today calls us to honor God with our bodies in his body. Just a quick word, 1 Corinthians 6 Sunday. You know what that means? PG-13 content. It's hard to preach PG-13 content when you got a rated G demographic. So I'm going to do my best to do that <laughs> and not provoke uh, premature or unneeded conversations with little ones. Uh, but th there'll be some words and phrases that the listener will just have to understand. Hopefully the listener's over 18. All right, so the setting today is in Corinth. It's a mess. This church is a mess. They've got celebrity preachers. I know, I know, it's, it's really bad there. They've got celebrity preachers. They have people in church that are suing each other. They've begun to live as though they're free to do whatever they want with their marriage tackle. Let the listener understand. One guy is shacking up with his dad's wife. Other guys are hanging out in the red light district. And we see right here in the beginning of verse 12, some of their arguments. These are arguments Paul's responding to. All things are lawful for me, they say. Uh, Paul mentions this twice. Paul, you said Christ fulfilled the law, bro. Get out of here with your stuffy religious baggage, your rules. I'm free. I'm no longer living under do's and don'ts. All things are lawful for me, they say. They also say things like food is meant for the body and the body for food. Now, this is an argument about, follow me here, about anatomy and function. You put the food in the stomach, and that's what it's made for, right? The logic then probably refers to the red light district, i.e. just as food is meant for the stomach, so the round peg is meant for the round hole, if you catch my drift. This is the logic, right? And then, uh, you know, Paul says later, uh, uh, whoever is united to a prostitute, the word for sexual immorality probably means prostitute. It seems that some were arguing. Here's, here's the argument the, Corinth, uh, the Corinthians are making. They're free from the old rules, and round pegs are meant for round holes, so it's no big deal. Christ has set me free. The body is physical, but what really matters to Corinthians is our spiritual life. The spiritual life. So I can do what I want with my body, because freedom, I've got rights and freedoms with my body, is what Corinth is saying. And Paul says, you don't understand two things. You don't understand freedom. And you don't understand your body. Today, 
we proclaim the good news. We behold Christ in our midst, actually on the Zoom call, beholding Christ. He's dwelling in us and among us. And he's freed us to love each other and become his actual body, church. We're the house of God. Under the reign of his love. And we are to honor God in our body, with our bodies. First, freedom. What is freedom for? Well, Paul is writing to a community that basically says, I do what I want, like Cartman from South Park. That's not really uh, rated G. That Don't watch South Park. Uh, it's more PG-13. Uh, these people uh, in Corinth are focused on rights and freedoms uh, of the individual in Christ to do what I want. Freedoms from laws, from restrictions, from limitations, and freedom to not have to not get what I want. I want it, and I'm going to get it. But Paul argues that this is so important. Freedom is not unlimited, unfettered choice. Let me say that again. Christian freedom is not unlimited, unfettered choice. It's not getting to do whatever I want. It's not freedom from rules for whatever our desires want. Because Paul says in verses 12 and 13, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I, I won't be controlled by anything. So sometimes doing whatever I want leads to hurting ourselves and others, and it actually makes us slaves to our desires. Paul says Christian freedom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a Greek word on y'all. Christian freedom has a telos. It has a goal. It has a ultimate aim. Christian freedom has an oriented purpose towards which it's directed. Let me give you an illustration about why this is so important. If I just came on Zoom this morning and announced, I just ate an entire bag of Cheetos in one sitting. Uh, would y'all be excited for me? Yeah, Joel Rocky is not excited for me. In most, Isaiah, I see that. I see that hand. Uh, in most settings, for an adult uh, like me to confess to eating a whole bag of Cheetos in one setting, uh, there'd be a whole lot of internal bless his heart. So I wonder if he's okay. Right? Um, because in most of, for most of us, the telos of eating a whole bag of Cheetos is not good. It doesn't end well. <laughs> unless, unless I'd, I'd been uh, without food for three weeks. And a bag of Cheetos is the only thing that would keep me alive. And I ate a whole bag of Cheetos because I needed to stay alive. The telos determines whether eating a whole bag of Cheetos is somebody get that man some help. Or, thank goodness you're alive. You tracking with me? This is no shade on Cheetos. I love them. One more. I just ran, if I said to you, I just ran my fastest 5K ever. Typically, when somebody says that to us, we, we make a lot of assumptions about the telos. They're trying to get in shape. They're an athlete. They're training for something. They're excited about this, Right? We typically import the telos of they are trying to become a better athlete, so we celebrate. But let's say I'm late on my child support and I'm running away from the cops. 
then my telos is to get away from responsibility to break the law. And me running my fastest 5K ever is actually not beneficial. It's not a good thing. Paul says, without understanding what our freedom is for, what our telos is about, we can't evaluate if something is good and beautiful and honoring and beneficial. Do you see? Hopefully Cheetos and 5Ks are communicating. Paul says our freedom in verse 20 has been purchased, which is kind of interesting, right? Because uh, we, we don't consider being purchased as being free, but Christ has purchased us. There's ransom language here. Delivered us from a dominion of slavery so that we are connected to Christ. That's our telos, our created telos. To live with and for Christ and each other. Our telos, our goal, our ultimate aim is to be the body of Christ. His presence and power in our body and among us in our body. Church, today we behold Christ in our midst, right here on Zoom. Christ dwelling in us and among us. He has freed us to love each other and become his actual body, church. We are the house of God under his reign of love. And we are to honor God with our bodies in our body. So freedom then is for an appropriate telos. Not skipping out on child support. Not eating uh, so the hurting will stop. <laughs> uh, but being oriented towards the love of God in Christ. Because he's purchased us. He's ransomed us from sin. Now what are our bodies for? This is the other thing Paul says. Corinthians, you don't understand. Well, there's so much to say here, but let me just, some implications about what Paul says here are vital and crucial for us. Our bodies, brothers and sisters, are not something to get freed from. Yes, we have disease. Yes, my lower back hurts as I sit on this stool. <laughs> yes, there's decay. There's death. Some of us carry trauma in our bodies. Some of us have body shame that we carry around. And we'll receive resurrected, new, animated by the spirit bodies in the resurrection. But friends, Paul is pushing against an, a disembodied, abstracted, spiritual Christianity that separates our bodies from the, from the spiritual world. Because when we do this, it leads us to things like sleeping with your dad's wife or visiting the red light district. Um, and, and I just want to say this, this is actually this bifurcation or separation between physical and spiritual is what slaveholders did to justify enslaving people in order to save them. Separated spiritual world from the physical world. And it justified genocide and slavery. It, it actually leads to all hell breaking loose. And we'll talk more about this during Lent. We need to unpack that and discuss that. But I just wanna say our spiritual life is our physical life. They're not two different things. Two, Paul talks about our bodies and uh, some 
some translations say fornication, some translations say sexual immorality. But let's just talk super quick about um, about the mattress mambo. Let the listener understand. Uh, we have uh, all kinds of jacked up scripts around this. It's not just the Corinthians, but it's us too. There is there are two there are two main ways we we get orienting our bodies with each other in our sexuality wrong. The first is maybe Corinth. It, it doesn't matter. I do what I want. Uh, live and let live and let live. We can call that consent culture. As long as it's not rape, go for it. And the other ditch is what many of us maybe have experienced in Christian or religious places. And sometimes it's named purity culture, which is, a, which is about rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. And often, I think unintentionally, traffics and trades on shame and fear. Both have caused damage. And we need to have a concerted, constructive conversation at the table about what it means to have our telos connected to Christ and live in a redeemed sexuality. So I'm just going to say we need to have a conversation, and uh, I'm going to nominate Spencer Rourke to lead it. Uh, third, um, no, Spencer, you don't have to lead that conversation, but we need to have that conversation. Third, uh, if Zoom stinks for you, this is one reason why. Because some of y'all are feeling this pandemic, being distant and separated, staring at a screen, not touching people, not hugging people, not shaking people's hands. We hung out last night at the pits outside, social distance. It was great. And I got to like talk to people and see people and be around people. And I felt energized. I felt alive, connected. Our brains are actually wired to attune and connect to other humans. And when we don't, part of the Imago Dei suffers. Paul says then, our bodies are to glorify and honor God. And this is unfortunate because glorify and honor have become sort of spiritual abstractions. What does it mean to glorify something? What does it mean to honor something? They're like the right answers on the Awana test. But when it comes down to it, what does it mean? Let me give you an illustration. My, you guys, um, most of you know, my mom passed away almost two years to this day. And one of the things my wife did last year, um, or uh, yeah, last year, the first year she died, is uh, she took a picture of my mom and she put it in a Christmas ornament with 2019 on it. And she gave a picture of my mom that with the year she died to every member of our family. Um, and um, so our Christmas tree, we've got, some people just hang a few ornaments. We've got hundreds of ornaments on our tree. But the ornament of my mom, I placed on the tree where I could see it when I sat in my little nook on my couch in the mornings when I would pray and read. And I did that because I wanted to behold it. I wanted to honor that ornament. I wanted to take it in, to appreciate it to remember my mom and be thankful for her, to actively hold it before me. Friends, this is what it means to honor something or to glorify something. It means to give it our attention and focus, to orient our bodies towards it, to appreciate it, let it in, let it in, let it in. Paul says to honor your honor, 
and glorify God with your body because your body is the place of God's presence and power, your physical body. And our body together is the place of God's presence and power. And this reality, God lives here. And God lives here should orient our ethics together. Today, we behold Christ in our midst, like literally as we stare at these Zoom screens. See the image of Christ before you. He's dwelling in us and among us. He's freed us to love each other and become his body. We're something greater than just an individual. We're still a person, but we become a corporate person in the body of Christ. And together, we are a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Let me just give one so what, and then we're going to pray. Well, many of you in our our discipleship groups, our DNA groups, friends, this is why we own and name our desires in DNA group. Because the rules want to deny the desires, and then uh, the Corinthian temptation wants to just obey them. And what we want to do is we want to name them and submit them to whom? to the body of Christ, to God's presence and power together, and orient the freedom we have, which is, which is the, uh, the ability to direct our desires towards God, to use that freedom in community together, and to discern God's kingdom there. How do we honor God in our bodies? That's the question that governs our DNA groups. And we do it together because that is the body of Christ. This is the logic of our discipleship. Because we actually believe there's a better way to live in our sexuality than in purity culture or consent culture. We actually believe there's a better way to orient our lives to Christ and his body. Today we behold Christ in our midst. Christ dwelling in us and among us. He's freed us to love each other and become his body. Church, Y'all, the house of God, under his reign of love, let's honor Christ in our body and with our bodies. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.